It's a rite of passage. We had to do it in our day. It'll all be over soon. It'll just flow when you're in there. FM 104's Leaving Cert Survival Guide with the Institute of Education. With only the info that you want to hear to help you ace your Leaving Cert. Welcome to episode one of the Leaving Cert Survival Guide. I'm Tara Murray from FM104's Total Access. And I'm Crossy from the Strawberry Alarm Clock. We've teamed up with the Institute of Education in Dublin and some of Ireland's best health and wellness professionals to give you a crash course in all the useful information you need to make the Leaving Cert exams that bit easier. Every Monday and Wednesday, we'll be speaking to some of Ireland's best teachers who will be giving us some of their vital tips and tricks that will help you with your exams this June. We'll be covering a host of different subjects and exam papers in both higher and ordinary levels covering everything from what poets to study to how to get the secret hidden marks on your maths papers. Leaving Cert Prep isn't just about hours of study and cramming, so to make sure you're in the right state of mind before and during your exams, we'll be speaking to mental health professionals, motivational speakers and nutrition specialists, all about ways to minimise the stress and workload over the next few weeks. But let's take a look at today's show. We'll be covering English Paper 1 with Jim Lusby. He'll be talking about how predictable the paper is. He speaks about how to organise your time, which is so crucial in the Leaving Cert, and the composition. So we'll be talking about the long essay writing. He speaks to us about the importance of the initial question and how to cover what is actually being asked. We're also going to be talking to Dr. Coleman Nocter from St. Patrick's Mental Health Services about how to manage stress in the run-up to your exams. He's going to identify what exactly stress is and why it's not all bad. And he's also going to talk about balancing your social life with your study because your social life is just as important as actually getting down and getting your head in the books. He's going to be speaking about the dangers of burnout as well. But first, here is Jim with how to prepare for English Paper 1. Dublin's hit music station, FM 104. Joining us today to speak about English Paper 1 higher and ordinary level is Jim Lusby from the Institute of Education on Leeson Street in Dublin 2. Now English Paper 1, as always, is the first exam for the Leaving Cert students and will take place on Wednesday the 5th of June. Now the thing is, Jim, this is one of the most difficult subjects in relation to how long the exam actually is. It's demanding, physically certainly. You've got... uh two hours, uh, more than two hours on the first paper. You've got more than three hours on the, on the second paper. 170 minutes, so that's uh, two hours and 50 minutes on the first paper, uh, the very first experience of the Leaving Cert. It's psychologically demanding because it is the first exam that you do. Uh, it's physically exhausting, uh, as you mentioned there, because of the amount of writing involved. But if you enjoy writing, if you enjoy expressing yourself, if you enjoy reading, it is a reading and writing uh, examination. If you enjoy those activities, uh, then yeah, there's a challenge. There's a physical challenge, there's a psychological challenge, but there's a huge level of enjoyment as well. If you can come out of the English uh, Paper 1, first exam of the Leave Insert, uh, with, with a sense of satisfaction that you've met a challenge and, and, and that you've met it well, uh, it's a great start. Impetus for the rest of the Leave Insert. So it's a very important exam in that regard, yeah. So at this stage, we're coming up close to to the Leaving Cert, what should you be doing to prepare at this point? The analogy I make for my own students is with the, the driving test, which consists of a, a rules of the road test, a knowledge test, but a skills test uh, also. So there is a distinction between what you should know uh, in relation to the English course uh, for three or four weeks away from the examination, what you should know by then, and um, what you should avoid cramming into that period there. Distinction between that body of knowledge and the skills that you that you need to manage the exam and the questions. And 
the only way that you can gain the skills or practice the skills is through practice itself, as it is with driving. That's the analogy. There's no point in learning the rules of the road and getting into the car on, on the day of the test and saying, well, I've never actually driven before. Could you, could, you, could you possibly pass me? Not an option. So you need to practice the questions on the past papers. Look over, particularly the last five years, the paper has changed. Both papers uh, have changed, and we might discuss some of those changes. Uh, they have changed over the last five years, so don't go back any further than that, but certainly go and have a look at the phrasing of the questions and what's asked in the questions. So there's a division between a body of knowledge, which you need, and a skill set, which you need to practice. So we're going to kick off today with paper one. What's in that? What can people expect in that? This is um, a predictable paper in terms of its uh, content and, uh, and its requirements. There is nothing uh, that's going to astound anyone or astonish anyone. There may be a couple of surprises. For instance, last year uh, in uh, English Paper 1, uh, a lot of material from Paper 2 was drawn onto Paper 1, which was unexpected. For those who weren't, who hadn't expected it, I must say at the Institute of Education, we had thought that there is, we always teach, there's no distinction between paper one and paper two in the sense that you can't create literature, which is paper two, without language, which is paper one. So any distinction is absurd. So they brought a lot of material and asked students uh, on paper one to uh, use their, their reading from paper two to provide material for the questions on, on paper one. But to answer your question directly, the paper one consists of a, a three texts, which may be an extract from a novel, a piece of fiction, or an extract from a memoir, or something to do with literary criticism. And on each text, you have three comprehension questions. Each text is also followed by a question B, which is a a rather detailed uh, functional writing exercise. Each of those sections, you have to answer one question A and one question B. Each is worth 50 marks, so that's 100 marks between the two of them. And then the paper is uh, finished with a composition, composing test, which is worth 100 marks. And you have a range of compositions. We might have a look at uh, uh, the range of compositions uh, a little later in the, in the chat. But that's paper one. That's the content of paper one. With paper one, would you say go and spend a half an hour on this, 20 minutes on that? In what? terms of t- time allocation, time, yeah, for, time allocation. For, for the paper itself? Yeah. yeah. Uh, time allocation is fairly routine on paper one. You have 50 minutes for question A. Question, question A involves reading critically a text so there's a great deal of attention to the text you're going to, some of your time is going to be absorbed in the actual reading of the text the reading of the questions the rereading of the text in order to find the material to answer the questions so if students run into time problems they will do so on question a so first major tip of the day in relation to paper 1 don't run over 50 minutes when you're answering question a on paper 1 If you run over 50 minutes, you're going to create uh, that terrible tension for yourself where the clock is ticking, you're running out of time, you're beginning to panic and your head is not clear anymore. So 50 minutes maximum on question A. Would you be saying in terms of advice, if you did reach the 50 minute mark, you would advise maybe to take a step back from it and maybe come back to it later, even if you're stopping halfway through? You just think time is so precious in this instance when it comes to... Yeah, there's there's two calculations here. There's the calculation before you go into answering question A and you are looking at uh, about uh, 15 minutes for reading the text and reading the questions and then you're looking at 35 minutes, if my maths is is accurate, uh, which will add up to 50, 35 minutes for answering three questions. 35 minutes divided by three is is an average of uh, 11 to 12. That's not a lot of time for answering any question. So you need to be skilled on the technique of answering question A, which is basically answer the question, 
uh, listing three points and then develop each of your points separately in a distinct paragraph. If you can do that uh, in a sequence and you've practiced doing that, you save a great deal of time. So that's the calculation going into question A. If you make a mistake, and you shouldn't, uh, I'll be unforgiving about uh, this one, really, really harsh on this one. Allocate your time accordingly. As I said, 15 minutes and then 35 minutes for answering the questions, around about 11 to 12 minutes for each one. Allocate your time accordingly and stick to the allocation strictly. If you go over, odd things happen in exams, as both of you know, there's a great deal of pressure, particularly the first exam of the Leaving Cert, uh, as we've already mentioned. If you go over the time in any of those areas of uh, question A, skip half a page, a page, leave room, go on to the next question, come back and finish it a little bit later because you will have five to ten minutes, even if you stick with my time allocation, you will have five to ten minutes at the end of an exam, at the end of the paper one exam, in which to go back and and uh, complete any section that you haven't completed. But really there is no excuse for not sticking within the allocated time. There is no excuse, really. And one thing that I remember always being told when I was in my Leaving Cert year and one thing that was drilled into me and it's obviously so important is making sure you read and reread the question. Oh, I was terrified. Yeah. (laughs) Read the question, Tara. And I was like, okay, it was like ringing in my head when my first exam started. So I was just staring at the page going over about 10 times to make sure I actually had the context of it right. I've already mentioned that's the distinction between the body of knowledge you carry into the exam, which most young people are diligent. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, they're focused, they want to get a good Leaving to establish uh, a, a decent life for themselves. So there's really no question about their application. So you have to ask the question, why do only 2.8% get a H1 in English? 2.8%, less than, less than three out of every hundred. Less than three out of every hundred. If the key to it is hard work, which it obviously isn't, then you would expect a much higher percentage getting a H1. So the key to it is hard work is required, obviously. Body of knowledge is required. Application is required. But the key to it is what you just mentioned there, which is to focus on the questions uh, themselves. And that's where the skill factor comes in. And this is where the real preparation, I think, for English in the three to four weeks that are now left uh, to you, uh, look back over past papers, particularly questions on poets or composition types that you are preparing and material that you're already preparing. Look back over the questions and examine them critically. This is the distinction between H1, H2, H3 down to H8 is in the reading of the question. This may sound a little bit unfair, but to go back to an analogy I used earlier about a, a driving test, the distinction between somebody who passes and somebody who fails is the person who has the skill to actually execute, to control the car properly or safely in traffic conditions. And it's the same with the English examination. The composition question, I remember, as we're discussing paper one, uh, asked you to write a personal essay reflecting on moments of insight and revelation in your life. Now, the H1 student will immediately look at that as a conjunction between insight revelation. Conjunction is a, is a word that joins two words together. If there's a conjunction it means that there must be two distinct terms. Conjunctions are used throughout uh, both papers, on uh, English papers on the Leaving Cert. It means there must be a distinction between the two terms that the conjunction is dividing. Otherwise there's no point. You don't say a table and a table. Uh, there must be some distinction between the two things. So what's the distinction between insight and revelation? And to, to save you agonising about it, insight is what happens inside oneself. The knowledge of oneself that you gain from uh, reflection inside yourself. And revelation obviously comes from outside. Uh, uh, Things are revealed to you. Insight occurs uh, to you inside yourself. The distinction between those two things is, I would imagine, absolutely essential. If you want to get a H1 in in a Leaving Cert, you have to demonstrate at least that you're aware 
that's a distinction. Different words mean different things. There, there are subtle differences, and this is the real test of uh, English leaving cert. It's not the knowledge. Practically everybody will do uh, good preparation, honest preparation in relation to the content, but the real distinction is: can you read the question so skillfully that you can distinguish what the words actually mean? That was Jim Lusby from the Institute of Education. Jim will be back next week with a more detailed account of Paper Two, which is where things start to get really interesting for our listeners. I can't wait. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. FM 104's Leaving Cert Survival Guide with the Institute of Education with only the info that you want to hear to help you ace your Leaving Cert. You're listening to the Leaving Cert Survival Guide and right now I am sitting with Dr. Coleman Nocter from St. Patrick's Mental Health Services and we're going to talk about something that is the S word, stress. It's a word that I think every student sitting the Leaving Cert is very, very familiar with. Thank you so much for coming in today, by the way. Where I want to kind of start off is there's a certain level of stress. It's obviously inevitable when sitting your exams and in the run up to them. But at what point does stress become extremely harmful to a student? Well, the first thing to acknowledge is stress is necessary. I mean, stress is a a motivator. So because we're stressed about being late, we end up being on time. Because we're stressed of not being ready for something, we prepare. So it's something to be embraced and it's an inevitability. But if you imagine almost stress like a dial it goes into the red and when it goes into the red it starts to become dysfunctional so it, n- it doesn't enable us to do things anymore it now disables us so we become too stressed so if you're applying the stressful analogy to kind of doing one task you, you can really apply yourself but if you throw in five more tasks into that you cease being productive and you start to become overwhelmed and when you're overwhelmed you can't attend to the amount of things that you need to in the amount of detail that you can so the key to having stress is to keep stress levels within a manageable level that they're making you productive, they're making you driven, they're making you motivated, but they're not disabling you by becoming what we would describe as anxiety symptoms. And that's a little bit more cumbersome and difficult to manage. So that level of stress would become kind of dysfunctional in a sense. Yeah, I mean, I think when we're hyper-stressed, we start to be shown an inability to sleep. We don't look after our appetites. We tend to risk kind of not exercising. We cut out the the kind of luxuries in our lives and our diet can go a bit stressy. And when things go askew, we're more likely to, to struggle with things like memory, concentration. Our mood can dip. We can start to become a little bit apprehensive and and perhaps then that's when the gloom hits in where it all feels a bit too much. So we've got to be real mindful that that our stress levels don't trigger into those things and we don't see those things start to slip because that may be an indicator that our stress levels are now becoming less productive than they should be. So you kind of lightly touched on it before but can you speak about the dangers of burnout especially in the later stages of the year and what's the best way to avoid it? Yeah, I think the issue is that something like the Leaving Cert is a marathon not a sprint. So the issue is that obviously there's the risk of fatigue in both of those things. So if you've peaked very early and you've been doing 
lots and lots of work. The fatigue element may now be setting in where you're now feeling tired, you're feeling kind of saturated and you may become burnt out from that effort. And what you may feel you need to do is work more when in actual fact you may need to be working less and taking more breaks and giving yourself some head space to allow your brain to recover a little bit. Burnout can also happen when you leave things to the last minute and you're trying to cram everything um, and your just brain won't hold the information that you want it to hold and you'll feel that you can't remember, you'll feel that information that you've just put into your brain is now somewhere lost in the the hard drive of your yeah. brain you can't access it and that burnout piece is where it really is where fatigue hits in and you now again can't seem to function those activities of daily living like sleep appetite concentration again they'll show signs of starting to, to, to struggle a little bit when burnout hits so burnout's kind of fatigue and it's that kind of end point where stress has now reached a dysfunctional level and now your ability to perform and, and manage is, is compromised. Yeah, because that kind of looks into the background of actually cramming and some people might think it's a really good idea. So that's directly linked then with burnout is that if you try to cram too much information into your head the night before or the week before, if you're trying to learn new things in a very short amount of time, do you think that that would inevitably not sit in your brain? So if you had to do an exam the next day, you, you think that you might forget the information a lot quicker. I think some people are good crammers. Yeah. So they have good ability to hold kind of short-term memory information uh, and some people are not. They may need more time in that kind of slow and steady pace issue. Um, but there's there's a benefit to cramming uh, and if it suits your personality style or your preparation style and it works for you and has worked for the, in the past, there's no indication it won't work this time. But slow and steady is always probably the more advisable piece of, of a prompt to somebody and again I would be wary of saying to somebody who's kind of a week out from the leaving cert that cramming doesn't work because it does and it's you might as well keep doing it but you just have to keep a kind of attuned into the levels at which you can manage and when you over cram or you're you know if you're taking your biology book to the bathroom with you because you don't want to lose three minutes of, of study time three precious perha- minutes. perhaps then uh, <laughs> the light is in the red and you need to take account of that I think You touched on this a little bit before, but what are the main side effects that stress can cause or can it deter your creativity or even your thought process? It can affect our memory, it can affect our concentration, it can affect how we organise our own thoughts in that way. So you might begin to feel overwhelmed that there's too many plates being spun or there's too many things in the air. Stress is usually around a kind of a, a rational set of events. So we get stressed about things that are real and that's where it maybe differs from anxiety which is a bit more of an irrational fear Um, but both of them have impacts on sleep appetite uh, motivation energy and then the more longer terms of that it can affect our mood so we start to become irritable maybe cranky and then we can hit periods of feeling quite hopeless and gloomy and sad uh, it's important for listeners to know that that's probably par for the course when you're doing a leaving cert that you'll go through peaks and troughs of this and you know this is a very stressful life event Essentially what anxiety is, is the fear of the unknown. So anything that you're doing where you don't know the outcome, you're going to be anxious about, whether that's a leaving cert exam or a driving test or a job interview, where the outcome is unknown, it creates uncertainty and uncertainty creates anxiety. So what you try and do is you try and create as many known unknowns. So by preparing as best you can, by learning material, it should be reassuring you that there's going to be less and less uncertainty in the outcome because you're doing what you can to prepare for it. But even in with the best will in the world, that can still impact on us. And I don't think any Leaving Cert student goes through right the way to June 25th or whenever it's finished without some degree of stress, a certain degree of anxiety and moments of uncertainty and a degree of sleeplessness and restlessness. 
any family member will tell you that irritability is par for the course as well. So all of these things are normative and they're not things that you should become pathologised about or think that you're in, in any different way. And even if your pals are saying that they're fine and they're cruising, chances are they're probably not. And that everyone has those moments. Some hit it early on, some hit it late on. It's just the frequency and severity of those moments that you've got to keep an eye on, that they're not dominating your preparation and trying to kind of find space in the week where that doesn't happen. If you're doing that, well then maybe again it's into the red and that dial is up too high and it's about trying to, to wind that back down. Yeah, so essentially listening to your body and your mind and when it's telling you to slow down and stop and take a breather. In any of these pieces of advice, you always have to invite context and perspective into the argument. So most time we're neurotic about something we're anxious about. So we, that means we kind of think about doubt and we think about fear and we think about worst outcomes and we think about catastrophe. And if that starts to dominate our thoughts, we will spiral into anxiety. You always need a council of advisors to include context, perspective and reality. And when you bring those three things into the conversation, yes, this is a big deal, but it's not the end of the world. Yes, this is an important part of your life, but it won't define you. And yes, you've done a lot but there's a lot more time to do more and you know you have to trust your process you have to trust that the work you've done will come good that the hours that you've spent in school in the last seven years will pay off Um, and that stuff is in there it may not be accessible to the hard drive right now but it will be and you'd be surprised how that information comes back to you and also don't underestimate your ability to waffle it is an incredible skill that many of us don't doubt or doubt that we have an actual fact when push comes to shove we can be really impressive especially as Irish people oh 100% I remember waffling so many times and and there are points for waffle in times (laughs) of need and, and And again, just trust your process, trust that you're doing what you can and you will be as ready as you can be. And even if there's a short time frame, whatever you can do in that time, do it. It'll help you feel more prepared. It'll reduce the fear of uncertainty and that in turn will reduce your anxiety. So do you know any uh, particular support in place in schools for dealing with this? I mean, I think the traditional idea is the kind of guidance counsellor or career guidance person who probably is there as a valve. I'm guessing they're door might be busy in the coming months and it's the same in, in mental health services we would always see a peak in referrals around exam time this is where everyone has needs and those stress levels are high and if there's anything underlying it'll tend to come to the surface around this time so although people are busy there's always somebody that you can access I would always say friends and family first and you know maybe not friends who are sharing the same experience because they may you know misery loves company and sometimes it can spiral into a a conversation of just mutual panic which isn't always that helpful or else somebody will say how much study they're doing and it'll make you feel rubbish but going to friends who maybe aren't doing leaving certs older friends even younger friends or cousins and trying to find one good enough adult who you when you talk to them they make you feel better about yourself and when you leave that conversation you feel a little bit more secure and maybe that's parents it could be older siblings whatever it might be but you need to use all of these supports and access them rather than looking to services I'm sure there's hotlines and things like that that you can access and even podcasts like this to try and reassure you but don't underestimate the solar system of support that surrounds you and as Leaving Cert students you're going to be a priority for everybody people are going to eggshell around you you're not going to have to empty the dishwasher as much as everybody else and people are making allowances for that and and, you know I would say milk that Oh yes I did (laughs) and and use the supports as best you can but um, just remember everyone's in the same boat and this is something it's a a bit of a rite of passage that we all have to endure but you'll get through it and and with the support from people around you you should get through it a little bit easier but 
try not to do it on your own and certainly not worry on your own because the one thing we do know is that loneliness creates anxiety to, to peak and get worse and if you feel on your own with something then the burden of it feels heavier so share it out use the supports of family if you find that your panic levels are, are of a dysfunctional nature and you can't seem to cope and manage it there are like like local mental health services and local therapists that could be available to you but I would kind of I would Try and manage it yourself in the first instance and then see how that goes. But if family members are concerned, they'll usually try and help you. But uh, context and perspective is the key in this one. Yeah, it's something that definitely helped me. I know I'd always ask one of my older friends or family member because it's one of those things. The Leaving Cert is a rite of passage in Ireland. Every single person, most people I say, have done it. Mm. So if you ask someone and I asked my friends and I said, what was it like? The one thing that always hit home with me and every person seemed to have some sort of version of was wasn't as bad as you thought. Mm. It's fine. Everything will be grand. And I really think that, that that information and the fact that it was repeated amongst so many people that I asked actually really helped calm me down. So it is kind of, it's such a simple word of wisdom. It is. And I think, as you say, it's a shared experience that people would have been through. And it's always nice to hear somebody who's reflecting back on an experience. Mm-hmm. But I'd say to every Leaving Cert student out there, once that first exam is over, it gets so much easier. It is oh, all yeah. built up to that English paper one or whatever the first one is. <laughs> and once the process has started, your anxiety just becomes so much more manageable and everyone will experience that. And if you're one of those students who's doing kind of classics or music or one of those last few, you're kind of cruising into it and just waiting for it to happen. And it's nothing like the first, second and third of June or whatever that three day build up is. So this too will pass and the anxiety around it will pass. And and you need to trust that that's going to happen because, again, in 100% of cases, that's what I would say most people report happening for them. So how important is it to still balance your social and your personal life when you're coming up to the run-up of the exam period? I mean, I think the most important word in any sort of event that kind of involves stress and anxiety is balance and equilibrium. So you're trying to keep some degree of balance. You're going to have more study dedication time than you would at probably any other time in your life in the run-up to Leaving Cert. But it shouldn't dominate every moment of your time because your brain and your body need different things. You need to be distracted from it. Your brain is like a muscle, so it will work and then it will need time to replenish itself to build up for the next time. So taking regular breaks is really an, an important part. And I think some piece of research would say that the maximum amount we can concentrate is for 17 minutes. And after that, our concentration starts to wane. So from, the, yeah, so from the point of view of taking regular short breaks is, is no harm getting those breaths of fresh air down for a cup of tea and a jaffa So all those cups of tea that I went to get <coughs> during my leaving cert, they, they were, were helping. helping. They oh, were, okay, <coughs> delighted. They were allowing your brain to breathe, you know. But from the point of view of, of including your friendships is really important that social muscle you have to keep that going if you're turning in July to try and reconnect with friends who you haven't seen since January it's going to be really difficult and it's going to be a fairly lonely process and again sharing these experiences with other people or even just distracting about it with a bit of gossip or a bit of something that's going on that's not leaving cert related is always going to offer your brain your mind and and your mood a little bit of relief in that way. The exercise piece is crucial. And it's the one thing that people tend to, to drop off. And you'll see people who'll sacrifice their sport or they'll sacrifice, sacrifice their team engagement for leaving cert dedication. I'm not always sure that that's the wisest thing to do because I think that valve, again, allows you to maintain the pressure in a more sustained way. If you're allowing the air to come out a little bit, you're allowing the air to circulate. And in some respects, a team sport or something that takes your mind off it for an hour or two is really useful. We know the physical activity releases endorphins that helps to counteract the, the kind of brain chemicals that are 
created in anxiety situations. So what you're doing is you're building up your psychological immunity. And by doing that, it's like taking your vitamins. It's, it's as crucial as that to, to keep active, keep exercise, keep your social outlets going and, and have some valves of distraction, some windows of non-leaving start times. Crucially important for yeah. you to maintain that well-being. I do understand that as well, because I suppose in a sense when you're studying and you're getting trying to get so much done, especially at this stage, um, I suppose studying can seem exhausting. So if you have a sport that you're doing, that could be exhausting as well. And people don't actually realise that sport and activity and stuff like that is actually what will help you at the end of the day. So is that what you're trying to yeah, say? Yeah, I mean, brain energy is very different. Yeah, I mean, yeah. My job... They're not the same thing, is, sort of. My job involves sitting down, talking mm-hmm. to people all the time. But I would leave days absolutely wiped and drained and exhausted. And that would be because it's mental energy that I use in, in trying to help people with anxiety and those sorts of things. And studies kind of similar to that. It's a psychological energy that you're burning away. So... Going for a walk might feel like the worst thing in the world because you're already mm. tired, but your your reservoir of a different energy source, which is a physical one, and the physical one has a mutual relationship with the psychological one, so it helps to replenish the gap and the break allows it to kind of to replenish itself and to try and re- prepare it for the next time. And then the walk itself will release more endorphins that actually support that. So it's a process that is not only I would think advisable; it's almost crucial in the in the build up for this stuff too and it's really weird to, but you, I'd reassure you that that walk is enhancing your leaving cert performance it's actually something that's doing you good because we would rather than seeing it as 20 minutes that you're not studying see it as 20 minutes that you're feeding your brain with the nutrients and the energies and the endorphins that it needs to perform better for the next hour does that make sense? Yeah absolutely it does that was Dr. Coleman Nocter with part one of our chat on how to manage stress and anxieties in the run up to your leaving cert. Coleman will be back again in two weeks' time with more handy information that will help in de stressing in the run up to your exam period. Dublin's hit music station, FM 104. That's all we've time for on today's podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe to ensure you get that notification on top of your phone to tell you once our latest episode has gone live. We'll be back this Wednesday where we'll be covering Matt's Paper 1 with Louise Boylan and Jean Butler. We'll also be speaking to Nicola Halloran, a.k.a. the Wonky Spatula, on how to eat well in the run-up to your exams without driving yourself totally crazy. FM 104's Leaving Cert Survival Guide with the Institute of Education. With only the info that you want to hear to help you ace your leaving cert.